Hello everyone and welcome back to Replay Gaming, the weekly video games podcast where we discuss the titles that left a lasting impression on us and warranted multiple playthroughs. This week I'm joined by my good friend Jamie Shields. Hi Ryan. Hi Jamie, how you doing? Yeah, good pal, good pal. Good. Thanks for having me uh, on. Yeah, no worries man, it's been good to have you and today we're going to be talking about the powerhouse that is Final Fantasy VII. Oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah man. You, got, you a big fan? Absolutely, well, I wouldn't be here otherwise. <laughs> i know right <laughs> have you played the new one yet the remake okay yeah that's such a good point um uh, a little bit of a disclaimer we are here to talk about the original uh i have yeah, not the playstation played one the version remake. not the not the remake so yes i, I i've don't actually when lockdown started i had a look on uh gumtree to find a secondhand ps4 and uh overnight the prices just skyrocketed man yeah and it's I've the same as like all the justify buying one yet it's the same as like Nintendo Switches and stuff as well. Since uh, everyone's in lockdown, the prices have went from like 250 up to like 400 quid because they're not yeah. in stock anymore. So it's absolutely ridiculous. Like I'm lucky I got a Switch Lite before um, we went into lockdown. So I've been playing all the good like Animal Crossing and stuff, which has been good. But oh, cool. um, yeah, I had the demo for Final Fantasy VII Remake on the PlayStation 4 and I've played it so many times. I just haven't got myself to buy the full game yet. Uh, really because it's, it's still like 60 quid or something yeah man 50, it's expensive quid, man. it's not it's not cheap at all but um i've i've still got the final fantasy 7 on like the pl- download for the playstation 4 so i've still been playing that mm-hmm. which is good yeah it keeps cool. me keeps me going until the i actually buy the new one yeah i actually bought it on steam last night oh, um, so good <laughs> just to to go through it again because uh i've not played it in a wee bit so yeah so before we get into all the questions, I'm going to give you a wee bit of a story synopsis and some stats about the game. So quick story recap. So Final Fantasy VII follows the story of mercenary Cloud Strife, who is hired by the eco-terrorist group Avalanche, led by Barrett Wallace, to help fight the mega corporation Shinra Electric Power Company, who attempts to drain the planet's lifeblood as an energy source to further their profits. Bad guys. Apathetic to the cause, Cloud initially fights for his own personal gain and for the promise he made to childhood friend Tifa Lockhart. Cloud eventually joins forces with many others to save the planet, which is threatened by Shinra and Cloud's nemesis, Sephiroth, and discovers a reason to fight for a cause other than his own. Oh, it gets you pumped. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, man. Final Fantasy VII was released in January 1997 for the PlayStation 1, uh, or just original playstation console and is the seventh installment in the final fantasy universe it was uh, the first one to actually use 3d graphics uh, pre-rendered backgrounds and kind of quick time and uh, fully animated cutscenes. and it was also the first one to be released in europe which is quite interesting i never knew that yeah yeah um well i guess we'll talk about the other ones in the series later on but uh it was the first one certainly that i got to to play uh, and many others obviously in this country yeah definitely i mean it's the best selling in the series it sold over 12 million copies on the playstation one and is renowned as one of the most influential rpgs of all time i mean it definitely has the whole package like it's great characters and all their unique skills and backstories and the soundtrack is absolutely incredible yeah yeah absolutely it's it's one of those bits that every there's certain scenes uh that just give you those goosebumps yeah i know uh, chills absolutely all the time yeah I think um, I've had the like the battle victory theme as a ringtone for like years and years and years <laughs> on like every different phone I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certain things like as you go through your life, that little theme tune plays in your head, like if something goes well. Yeah, it's always like a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah, so the game's so popular across the whole world. Um, did you ever watch the 2005 Advent Children movie that is spinned off from it? I did. Uh, I can't remember anything about it. Um, <laughs> I maybe watched about half of it. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just gave up. Yeah, it was a straight-to-DVD release, but I got it when I was in, like, I think it was, must have been a start of high school or something like that. Um, and it was really good, but because um, it was, like, you, obviously you'd only seen those characters as, like, the poorly rendered kind of avatars on in the PlayStation. <laughs> so to see it in, like, full CGI and, like, see Cloud speaking to somebody was absolutely so cool. But then as you kind of got older, you're like, oh, this is pretty trash, but... It, yeah, it's still a good kind of nostalgia, uh, like f- fan service feed, and I think that's what the the new game's all about as well. It's like just all that bringing that nostalgia back. Yeah, it's right, and and there's so many other little uh, side games or or the ones for different platforms that kind of build on that lore uh, that I never even got to play, but I've read stuff about it online. Uh, yeah, things like Crisis Core, or whatever. Yeah, Crisis Core was really good. So I had that on the PlayStation, uh, the PSP, because that was um you you mm. played as uh, Zach instead of yeah, like yeah. cloud and they had the a uh, one on the playstation 2 as well called uh dirge Cerb- cerberus which was uh you played as mm. vincent valentine which is pretty cool so it was really strange like it wasn't really anything to do with the main final fantasy 7 story because like the crisis core was ma- more based around zacks before they met cloud and stuff like that and um, obviously with a bit of sephiroth in there and Dirge of Cerberus was a bit just left wing, just total spin off, like nothing really to do with the main story. But then the Crisis Core with Zach's whole story that played such a big, obviously, impact in, in Cloud's life that yeah, yeah, uh, is a huge bit of the story that's missed out because it was, I think, it was a PSP exclusive, right? There's yeah, not, yeah, not it on was. any other platform. Yeah, um, I never, I never got the chance to play it. I've just uh, kind of read about it online. Yeah, I think when I was buying a PSP, there was like a deal to get like a secondhand one plus Crisis Core for like a pretty decent price oh, yeah. at like GameStation or something like that. So I was tra- <laughs> trading in games already and I was just like, yep, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> so it just made like, the, the decision to get a PSP more easy because I was so mad about the Final Fantasy universe and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, obviously we've got the new one coming out. Um, just some stats on the new one as well. Um, the original game got co- obviously completely re- remade from the ground up. Um, it sold over 3.5 million copies in three days. Um, and that's the fastest selling PlayStation 4 exclusive in history. And that's uh, more oh, than nice. Spider-Man and like God of War. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's breaking records all over the place. And yeah, I definitely need to buy it after this podcast. Yeah, I think I think you're right, man. Yeah. Did you get a PlayStation? <laughs> if anyone, if, I, if, anyone's, if anyone's listening, it's got a PS4. Uh, that wants to donate to me um, <laughs> until I smash out uh, Final Fantasy. Then, then let let us know. Yeah, in the comments, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Uh, cool. So we've got some questions. I'm going to go going through. Um, yeah. Talking about different parts of the game and stuff like that. Uh, if obviously if there's anyone that has questions that they want to see in future episodes then please drop them in the comments and we can start adding them to it if there's nothing that we're something that's you want answered that we're not covering then let us know uh so how did you actually find out about final fantasy 7 jamie so i stumbled across it by accident i didn't know anything about it i didn't know anything about rpgs jrpgs um i was i could have introduced my kind of gaming uh prior to buying it when i was about 12 or 13 uh i started off on Championship manager, uh, <laughs> football management sim uh, that I nice. played religiously um, from like 92, 93 edition uh, all the way up um, until now, I guess. 
but I was more into football games, I, like sensible soccer back in the day. of Sensible um, like soccer? You remember red card then? soccer? No, I don't remember that. So that I, I can't remember if it was a PlayStation or like GameCube or something, but um, basically it was, uh, it was all about just like abs- like hacking everyone, like slide tackling, double foot challenges and stuff <laughs> like that. It was so fun to play. Amazing, man. No, I've, I've, I've never, never got a chance to play that. But aside from football games, it's... Uh, you know, kind of platformers, whatever, and I was never really that into it. Um, I got a little bit bored with that kind of thing. And also, um, I liked the... Well, the first, the first time I picked up Final Fantasy VII I was in a little shop called Electronics Boutique uh, in oh, yeah. East Kilbride Shopping Centre. Um, this was the, our, our little hangout. Me and my pals used to meet there in the, in the town centre in EK. But uh, I was out there, had some pocket money, and I was looking through the wee, like, second-hand bin in PlayStation games. And I saw this Final Fantasy VII. I had the, you know, like the silver, you know, the platinum games, the original PS um, platinum titles. So it was platinum by then. So, so it also been out for, for a wee bit and it was second hand, so it had been played already. Um, but that was my first introduction to it. I picked it up, had a look at it and kind of read about the, the idea and, and the, the concept and, and liked the um, more the RPG style game rather than uh, a platformer or a football game. So I thought I'd give it a shock. So it was only like seven quid or something. A bargain. And uh, just took it home. Stuck it on, I uh, fell in love, and uh, and here we are. Yeah, it's. I mean, it does really draw you in so quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, f- right from that that opening like cutscene sequence, uh, oh, yeah, and, and then throwing you right into the the action, uh, and that first uh, first reactor. Yeah, because you're into a battle straight away. Yeah, for first couple of minutes, like you're in, you're fighting, you're learning all the battle systems and stuff. So hey, there's no, there's no like, tutorial in. of like here's how the camera works or whatever. It's just oh uh, man, I love to, when to, games to, don't throw in a tutorial. Like they just let you get on with it, and I find that I like learn a game so much better that way. From just like you're not like pulled by the hand and like this is the battle menu to press to attack somebody. Press attack like fucking duh. <laughs> yeah right, but I think it's also the the. Um, combat system with Final Fantasy 7 lends itself a bit better to that with the active, active time battle that yeah. you have a little bit more time uh, to figure out what's going on without just immediately dying Yeah, uh, which is one dead. of the things that kind of appealed to me like I was always always growing always still am to this day a more kind of like logical and analytical person so I like to think things through so mm. the idea of being able to like take my time and decide exactly what I'm going to do uh, each turn really appealed to me nice i thought uh, i actually f- played final fantasy 8 before uh final fantasy 7 because oh, yeah. uh, i had a playstation growing up my dad picked up a bunch of games from a uh, like sec- like yourself second hand ones and final fantasy 8 was one of them but one of my good friends had final fantasy 7 so we helped each other play through the like different bits that we were stuck at and once we nice. finished we had uh, swapped over but f- I, don't- I wasn't really that bothered about it first because final fantasy 8 had like bigger avatars and it seemed more like graphically forwards and um, so i was like when i started playing seven and you had these little square people i'm like fuck's this like <laughs> but you, as you, you don't like the graphics in seven uh well it was just at the time because i played eight <laughs> first and they were a bit more like progressive i'd say um and the animation no, i mean they're garbage in seven don't let's not be a yeah, bit of yeah they're garbage I, I was just like ah what the fuck so I, as you start playing it you realize the story is absolute killer and then when you start diving into it a bit more, like the more you invest in it, the more it gives back. And there's, yeah, like all the different battle systems and character arcs and optional people you can pick up and stuff as well, which is really cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot to go about it. 
Um, so what things do you like about the game that kind of make you play it over and over again? So if there was one thing that you'd say would draw you back more, is it the story or is it the characters? Yeah, I mean, I think you can talk about Final Fantasy VII without um, talking about the story and the characters because that is the the one thing that's, I guess, the Final Fantasy series throughout that's always been one of its uh, biggest uh, draws is that yeah. kind of big epic story. You know, some along the series have done better than others uh, at it, but seven has always been about that big epic story some of it yeah it was a bit confusing at times but mm. uh it was amazing and the characters you got to know more about their backstory throughout uh, everyone was fleshed out and developed um and uh, and the, the kind of world i mean the biggest thing that i loved about it uh, was just the fact that it was an open world game it was the first time i've experienced anything like that where you had a bit of choice to figure out what you're going to do next yeah so when you go into like the world map as well for the first time that's so like it was just when you come out of midgar and you're in the world map you're like whoa oh, wait, this we're, game... we're going to talk about that later yeah it's like it's so big <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's uh that and and the the old side quest because that's the kind of thing that gets me that's the kind of thing that i'm into is getting all that that kind of completionist uh idea of getting everyone's ultimate weapon or um everyone's limit break um which is obviously more difficult for some characters than others yeah, uh, but just going through and able to, and I think the fact that there was un, those missable things as well. Yeah, I, I missed it so many that, times the first time I played it through. It's crazy. Then like my friends were telling me, "Oh, did you pick up that summon?" And I was like, "What? Like, where did you find that?" Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Then uh, that, that's the the part I love about it is the fact that you can go back and um, there's always going to be unless you manage to get 100 percent the first time, which is unlikely. There's always going to be things you can go back to, and also that once you've obviously finished the story. Uh, there's still you can go back to it and and uh, explore the uh, world a bit still more. encounter so many different more difficult bosses and things yeah man um, like so it was a hard game as well like it wasn't it wasn't messing around it was so hard like some of the bosses like you got one-shotted by like the optional ones like uh, you just stumble into oh, yeah. somebody and you get one-shotted by them it's absolutely ridiculous and you're like oh well i'm absolutely fucked <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there's some that even to this day i've never i've never defeated ruby weapon yeah i mean it, it, there uh, is a massive thing about just like grinding in that game but we'll talk about that later yeah, um, yeah. how many times do you think you've completed the game all the way through like story-wise yeah so i think uh, to be honest i think over completed it from start to finish maybe only two or three times yeah um but that's mostly because when i play through it i I'm far more focused on all the different side quests and all the different bits and pieces uh, that rather than just following the main storyline. Yeah, I think I've completed it like all start to finish like f five or six times, but I've played the whole of disc one maybe a hundred times um, and then <laughs> right. just never got onto the rest of it. On various different platforms, mobile, uh, yeah. PC emulators, um, uh, and uh, as well as that, as you know, with... Um, with Final Fantasy VII, that was the kind of launch point in that series that uh, has then, you know, I've maybe only played through start to finish seven, two or three times. But, you know, if you take in all of the series, even going back to the, the older ones, to, to four and five and six, mm. uh, you know, there's hundreds of times that I've played these games over the over the, the last 20 years. Yeah, I think even though, like, I haven't played it through all the way, like, you, this, the whole story start to finish is still engraved in my memory. Like, I don't need to play the other two discs because I know everything that happens you and I can still kind of play it out in my head. 
Um, oh, this is a good one. So I was, I was speaking about this with my, a couple of other episodes that we were doing. Um, when you were playing games that didn't have voice actors, did you ever make up the voices in your head for what you thought that character would sound like? <laughs> yeah, man. So I listened to episode one uh, of the podcast just this morning, and I, I heard you, you asking that question. Absolutely, yes. Um, do you know what? I actually thought that the once Final Fantasy introduced voice acting, it went downhill. Yeah. Because, uh, well, A, for a start, the voice acting could be a little bit dodgy. They also had this uh, tendency to add these really stupid effect, sound effects or, like, uh, grunts or, like, ahs. And all, yeah, all the time. just like when you're just walking really about, you, you interact with something, it's like, ah. <laughs> something stupid uh, yeah. like that. So, obviously, with Seven and, and, and a couple of, uh, I, I can't remember what, the, I think it was 10 was the first one, maybe? or, or Yeah, was 10 that, was the first one that had, like, for the PlayStation 2 that had, like, proper voice actors. Yeah. Um, until then, I was quite happy just uh, reading the text on screen. And, yeah, definitely, you put, put little voices in your head. Um like to think of uh, Cloud as being just a, a real hard Glaswegian. <laughs> yeah, just translate all the text into Glaswegian. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm no. <laughs> just so stupid. <laughs> just a wee bam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fucking class. Um, <laughs> playing for the game, there's obviously so many things you can do to like each of your characters. Like, you can customise them with different weapons, accessories, and stuff like that. Is there anything in particular that you would do with your like, setup of your characters? Like, Would you give, um, for example, Cloud things that kind of were more focused on strength? Uh, or like, would you give them certain material? Or do you like stack summons onto somebody stuff like that yeah i mean i think with with rpgs there's that tendency to have these kind of archetypes mm. um where you've got the mage who is really weak but has all these powerful spells and you stick them in the back uh, yeah. or there's the big beefy uh warrior type that you stick in the front and just attacks with a sword now i think what final fantasy you know there's pros and cons of this approach but final fantasy 7 kind of did away with that by the end game certainly you could uh, max out everyone's stats yeah uh, you could or, or customize everyone uh, so much that you didn't need to like stack somebody like that because there wasn't really a specific like black mage you I mean everyone could do magic everyone could do that so there's really cool kind of options for that like you're saying yeah i mean i think the aside from eris i guess he was the only one that was really dedicated to being a white mage and the rest as you say could be pretty customizable certainly towards the end game mm. which meant you could just pick your favorite character and stick them in and you'd still be able to achieve the same things yeah i guess the the downside to that is the fact that you don't everyone just kind of seems the same yeah you don't Did have you, dedicated characters yeah what was your what was your like main three that you had on your team I would always have, um, you know, being like a little, you know, 12, 13 year old boy when I first started, it was always put the boys in there because that was kind of One of the boys. It. Yeah, right. So it was, uh, it was always Cloud Barrett and Red 13. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think they're, I used to. my three phase for sure. Yeah. I think I swapped out. But quite then a lot. you look back at it now, like you see characters like Tifa, which was actually pretty cool, you know, seeing. Yeah, I always had Tifa um, on my team because she was like tough as nails um cause yeah. like her limit breaks are so strong as well so like i would always keep her i always subbed out barrett though because he always annoys me for some reason um i don't know what it was <laughs> i just found his text so annoying i was like you cocky motherfucker <laughs> so i think i'll swap between red 13 and vincent um i never hmm. used uh, yuffie or um sid oh, don't i don't get know why man. yeah <laughs> not not a fan uh, not a fan <laughs> um, is there anything else that you really like to game about the game like any obviously you mentioned the active uh, time battles and stuff is there anything else about the game that you thought was really like really really well done 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I love the the we're talking about the combat system materia. Uh, mm. You know, no Final Fantasy game has has come close to kind of um, emulating a system like that. Uh, you know, in, in subsequent games have had like gambit systems, have had you yeah, know, just yeah. the, the magic from eight or whatever. Um, it's not been, in my opinion, it's not been as customizable as seven has been. The fact that you can make all these amazing combos of yeah. materia. It's cool. uh, it was always a bit of a grind to try and level those up, but once you got to a point where you had, um, uh, you know, final attack plus like life or whatever, you could, uh, anytime you're killed, you come back straight to life or, yeah. uh, you know, being able to attack four times in a row or, you know, there's so many cool things that you could do. Yeah, just uh, using and, like and fire all. <laughs> yeah, man, there's so many different fun things that you could do with that and different uh, amazing combos that, although I would say in that respect, it did towards the end game, like the, the magic, it was a little bit unbalanced and it's kind of a common kind of complaint against, I guess, with uh, Seven is that towards the end of the game, you just attacked. Yeah. Uh, that was far more powerful than, than using most magics, any attacking magics anyway. Yeah. Um, I think... And actually, I downloaded the Steam download that I got last night. Uh, I downloaded some mods for it, which kind of tried to um, fix that balance and try to oh, make yeah. magic a little That's bit cool. more important. So I've only just started the replay. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, let me know because that sounds cool. I didn't know there was like mods for it already um because the playstation 4 version has like i suppose you could call them cheats you can toggle like the speed so it like doubles the speed yeah. so you can like qu- kind of skip through cutscenes a bit more quickly and um, it has you can stop random battles but you can also put on your like your, your limit breaks like straight away so you can grind out the top levels but i didn't realize they had actual <laughs> okay. like uh, different mods for stuff like that which is really cool yeah, so it's a Steam Steam download, and you can go on. There's a thing called Seventh Heaven, which is obviously the bar that that Tifa mm. ran and uh, Midgar. That's a kind of little repository for for mods that you can get. So if anyone's listening wants to do another replay on PC, then go and check that out because you can get a few different things, little tweaks, and also things like turning off uh, random battles, uh, well, which make a, things. Yeah. That's a good segue onto the next part because. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a really good segue, actually, because uh, the next section is things that could, like, really annoy you about the game or could have been better, things like pet peeves and stuff, because mine was always the amount of random battles that you got into. Yeah. Just, like, you're literally trying to cross a fucking bridge and you, like, stop 20 times doing the fight in the same little fireball. And it's so oh, annoying, yeah. you can't walk two seconds. So, like, when those, you're just yeah, actually want to focus on... The, on, the, on the old roller coaster. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, yeah. see, just trying to like just walk without and especially the amount of backtracking and stuff you have to do sometimes it's mm, just mm-hmm. so annoying yep no it's right that was definitely uh random battle encounters were, were, were the one thing that, that really got me although having said that um if you were to turn them off then you'd be so under leveled by the time you got to some of the bosses yeah like even it, with <laughs> even with fighting all these different battles uh, i've still found that when i got to certain bosses like demon's gate or you know that two-headed dragon you have to fight after you climb yeah the, yeah the, man the mountain yeah, it is very I easy really to be, with those guys it's very easy to be unprepared especially when you're like we're talking about materia and stuff like not grinding to level up materials uh level up your limit breaks and stuff like that it, it's it's annoying that grinding had to be like a certain like a big part of this game because you would be so underprepared if you went into these battles but sometimes you obviously just got lucky and you managed to get a lucky critical hit or something like that and you were like yes managed to smash out the boss 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely had to like i grinded that world map so much to level up characters and it got to the point where i always had this thing where i hated any other character being a higher level than cloud so i would always like swap the other <laughs> ones out to so he could just keep going i don't know yeah, why yeah. i did it i do it in things like pokemon games as well like I, the starter always has to be the tank of the group so that one's like the total boss and it can wreck anyone in one hit but the rest of them are all shite because i'm not because i don't want them to get higher yeah i'm absolutely saying although it's funny actually we're kind of going off topic but other final fantasy games have kind of not felt the same about their lead character mm. just certain characters that i've just lead characters that i would just get rid of as soon as possible yeah, yeah. um but yeah cloud is always number one for sure and he was always uh, and he keep him top leveled yeah, uh, but yeah, be, be going through because I think some of the games later on in the series, they just other characters that weren't in your party leveled up with you. Yeah. Obviously, with this one, you couldn't do that. You had to go back and level through everyone if you wanted to to keep everyone on the same level. So it yeah, did get it, a bit grindy for sure. Yeah, it got a bit annoying after a while, but ugh, at the end of the day, you had to do it. It's just part of that the gaming at that time, wasn't it? You had to grind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the other couple of other things we we kind of touched on the the fact that the graphics were pretty bollocks. Um, <laughs> yeah just a little to the characters um you know obviously when, when you're younger when you're playing it you don't really care because graphics weren't really up to much at that point um yeah. but i think going through what i was uh, reading a few things last night and folks were saying that you know even the graphics for that time were pretty rubbish anyway yeah because um, you had like metal gear solid and stuff as well so like comparing it to like metal gear solid and like maybe like things like medieval or something like that like the the character models were pretty trash which is quite strange yeah. having said that some of the backdrops were pretty cool though mm. um you know, maybe they, they just were, focus they were... more time on that the pre-rendered backgrounds and like the cinematics and stuff as well oh, don't get me wrong like the, the visual you know, looked amazing that some of the cutscenes and mm. and uh, uh the the backgrounds were pretty amazing it's just obviously the character blocks were pretty the fact that Square had a cloud had square hands is pretty. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty ropey. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, so moving on to the next part, uh, what was your kind of mo- most favorite sequence in the game or favorite part that you every time it gets to it, you get like a little bit pumped up about it because everyone's oh, yeah, got. Like, there's so many points in this game as well, like the opening sequence is class, and there's like so many cool parts. But what would, what would you say is your favorite? Yeah, so there's a few that I was uh, toying with um and obviously there's there's one coming up with the next question you're going to ask but yeah. my my favorite part was a uh, leaving midgar oh yeah so the whole lead up to that part so being kind of imprisoned in the shinra headquarters um then when you escape the or you find out that the cells were unlocked and then you leave and you start to see this big trail of blood everywhere yeah so up until that point you've been fighting through the shinra headquarters you got all these random battles and then you leave and then everyone's dead. You see all these bodies scattered about, there's blood trailing everywhere that leads up. So you're going up and just that sense of like anxiousness, sense of trepidation, knowing that something's happening. Suspense Uh, and building and building and building. And then you get up to the top and you see, like obviously been thinking up to this point that Shinra is this big bad evil corporation and the president of Shinra must be the big super bad guy. And then you get up to the top and you see he's sitting behind his desk with with the Masamune and and he's back. You think shit. This is this is uh, things going on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you find that the Sephiroth is back. He's he's killed the president, um, and then you escape Shinra headquarters. They have this big epic motorcycle chase. Yeah, that's uh, so down cool. the motorway, and then to end that, um, you you leave Midgar, and then finally you're in this open world. Up until that point, you've, you've led this linear story, and then now you've got the chance to go 
to all these different places. And just that sense of scale going up, going from this linear story up to that point, uh, that's always the thing that stuck with me. It's always been the best part yeah, uh, it, of, it, uh, of Seven for sure. Yeah. I mean, it metaphorically and like physically opens up the game so much because you're like, you didn't, yeah. you don't realize that it's going to be this expansive world outside of Midgar because you do when you're playing it for the first time i always thought like oh this is it because most games like that had been set in kind of sandbox areas but then just when it expands out then you realize oh my god i can go anywhere yeah that's such a cool point yeah. um mines is actually featured in midgar but more later on in the the game when you all parachute, you parachute down in? yeah, yeah. so <laughs> epic like because you know you've got this big mission coming up you're all rallying and you've been grinding your character to get like up to super super saiyan like strength and then when you see them all parachuting down and the music's going and you're looking up at the shinra building oh it's so cool it always gets me pumped but i do have like a pet peeve about this part as well because Mm -hmm. if you've seen like advent children and or you've seen any other like things to do with final fantasy 7 like the guys can jump like a hundred feet in the air and like fall the <laughs> stories and not be hurt. So I always think like, what's the fucking point in having the parachutes? Like you could just jump down. But <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it, I know they didn't plan on stuff like that going out when uh, they originally made the game, but it just seems so funny yeah. now. Like they're all just dropping down these little parachutes, like a dog in a parachute. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, also, just the the up and I for, totally forgot about the the lead up to the part before, when you're getting to the Shinra headquarters. One of my favorite moments is climbing the wall, climbing up that big like wire or, or pipe or whatever. Yeah. And you're just climbing up and see all the graffiti, and then you see like all this big monstrous building in front of you. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like total cool. menacing and overarching. It's really cool. Um, uh, this also kind of brings us on to the next point as well. So we had a favorite part, but uh, every game that's kind of has a big story to it. I always think has like an oh shit moment um yeah. point where you're really looking out and you're like oh my god oh shit this got real so i think there's a few of them in this game and there's some obviously pretty obvious ones that most people have played it will know about but what was your oh shit moment yeah i mean i would say there's there's one there's 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 the big one um which i'll come to but i think uh, there's a few that i i was either going to fit in the favorite part or this kind of oh shit moment um that i thought bring up so the first one being just when you get out into the open world yeah, that and is you can an old start shit. to explore. Um, the point where I thought, oh shit, is when you realize that if you stumbled into certain parts of that open world, then it could fuck you up. Um, <laughs> yeah, so get wrecked. Ha- yeah, so finding the the Midgard se- uh, serpent in the big mm. swamp. Yeah. So you just see this big thing swimming around. Uh, you walk into the swamp and it comes after you. Uh, you just think it's going to be a normal battle, but then, oh shit, it's way too overleveled for you. Yeah, uh, that thing absolutely and, wrecks you. <laughs> yes, uh huh. Uh, and it's also nice being able to go back to that point and and uh, and defeat it. Yeah, I loved that. See, when you came back and you like absolutely messed it up, it was yeah. like the most. You did like the sword twirl in the air once you'd done it. <laughs> it's <was> so good. <laughs> um, and then also like once you actually get through that and you see the big serpent like pinned up against the 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 tree, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that was uh, um, it. Just released really the menace of what like Sephiroth is like and like how. Yeah how formidable this opponent's going to be um i thought as well the when you go in to get to cosmo canyon mm. um this kind of as as well as being a cool point in the story also kind of uh, uh reflects the fact that the the story was so kind of deep and, and all the different side characters had this big epic backstory as well so you yeah. start learning a little bit more about red 13 you get to meet uh bugenhagen is pretty cool 
so Red Hot 13 obviously his background he he thinks that his father abandoned him mm. so Booger Hagen takes him uh, into the mountains and he, and he takes him through and you have to fight all these battles and then you finally find out uh, that um, Red 13's father had uh, I think Seto his name was or Seto uh, he actually died fighting uh, to save Causal Canyon you see him being petrified in this big stone statue yeah, uh, and Red Thirteen finally finds out the truth about his father, and then it starts to rain. Uh, these like crystal tears coming off, and that just that emotional like gut punch, thinking, "Oh shit, you know, yeah, this has got a, a lot of levels to it." Yeah, it's and not. This, you know, it's Red not 13, all the cloud things. Yeah, That's yeah, he's got so much to him, um, and just that is reflected. There's so many different. All the different characters have got their moment, whether it's Barrett finding out about or, or uh, Barrett's relationship with his daughter. Um, mm find out the, the backstory about how he got his gun, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, all these different, different points to show that depth of the story, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, but there is, of course, one answer that you can't answer, a, a, in my opinion, answer a Final Fantasy VII oh shit moment without mentioning uh, the death of Ares. Yeah, man, I had that on here. So it's not on my... I've got a couple of oh shit moments, but I had it in there as like an honourable mention because it is so iconic and like yeah. it really drives home the fact that these characters are fragile almost like they have things can be lost um in a game where at this point you like you're building up this like hella squad team and um you're gonna defeat this guy and the fact that it happens in the first disc as well it's the end of disc one i don't know it's crazy like it hits you in the feels so early on That's some game of thrones shit <laughs> yeah man it really really came out of nowhere in my eyes because you're just saying oh yeah this is gonna be we're gonna get the we're gonna get the material and then we're gonna like build a plan and then by the disc three we're gonna be implementing that plan and we're gonna be fighting them but no he takes it away so and then you as a player are you don't know where to go you are holy shit oh shit moment yeah. it's big uh yeah I, I contemplated putting this and not having this as my oh shit moment and thinking of other things um, but I think I'd just be doing that uh, to make a point and not picking it. Yeah. Um, because it was definitely for me the you know main character, your healer as well of your group, or certainly at that point. Um, mm. And just have that emotional resonance is, is pretty amazing for that kind of game. Yeah. Uh, really give you the idea that uh, you know your main characters weren't necessarily invincible. Um, yeah, for sure. It was definitely the the most uh, oh shit moment for me. Nice. Uh, so I've got a couple here that um, are still pretty big in terms. Well, for me, one of them was like big in terms of like the gravity of the situation you're in and like what what the evil and that world could be um, capable of. And one of them was when Shinra drops the plate. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. That was that, that was a big thing because you realize this company is fucking evil. <laughs> How many thousands of people were like killed for no reason, essentially? It was yeah, just to try and t- to kill like a few members of this yeah group because there's no way you can't look at it and look at these people and say you're not equal terrorists but does that the the means doesn't justify the ends it's so yeah it was such a big big part of that game and like Barrett this was his whole cause and how his actions pretty much led hundreds of thousands of people to die because Midgar was such a big place and mm-hmm. yeah it was a massive emotional toll and yeah. Uh, the second one I've got after that is when you found out Cloud wasn't actually in Soldier. Uh, he was just living the, the kind of 
living a lie essentially through the memories of Zach because he couldn't deal with being the trauma he'd been faced with and being a part of the experimental soldiers and stuff like that exposed to macro radiation um yeah, yeah so just... this is actually something i had in my kind of pet peeves thing or, or, or the the flaws and just the fact that the story can be a little bit much certainly as like a 12 13 year old like there's yeah, so quite much that i missed out on that game um first time round. Uh, and it's only really been doing other research, just uh, finding stuff out on the internet about what actually happened is only when I figure out the, the full story. Yeah, it doesn't do a good job of explaining it. Yeah, I think, that, I mean, part of that is obviously down to me being uh, younger when I was when I was playing at first. Mm. Part of that is down to maybe some dodgy translations or stuff that was missed out in translation or yeah, maybe. Um, whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, I mean, that whole thing with, um, with Cloud figuring out that, that his memories weren't his own and you know going back to Nibelheim and and fighting alongside Sephiroth uh, and you realize actually it was Zack the whole time yeah. and I think actually that's another big oh shit moment is the the that scene in Nibelheim with the fire when Sephiroth start, starts setting everything on fire and you see that cut scene of him just walking through the flames oh yeah it, I just got chills thinking about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah total chills that was big but yeah it it just shows how like almost it's unreliable narrator because you see Cloud's thoughts and the, the text as well then he starts questioning a few things of himself and he has these kind of like flashbacks essentially but then after that when you find out it wasn't him and then you're trying to get his memory back for his own memories and trying to kind of get him out of this self-induced coma essentially that was a really mm -hmm. cool part of the game and then when you finally do it and you're like yes cloud's back i don't have to play as tifa yeah. anymore do you know what? i was i was reading some kind of analysis of that part uh, earlier today um and they were saying that you know obviously in the start of the game cloud is this kind of like he's pretty annoying he's a bit of a jerk he's he comes across as kind of brash and, and unlikable, but yeah. someone was kind of saying that he was acting as if, acting the way that he thought he should as an ex-soldier member. That's um, cool. That makes more sense. Yeah, and it's only once he kind of figures out the, the his true past is where he starts to change in personality. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really actually quite cool. It's something I completely missed until this morning. Uh, yeah, that's a really good observation, actually. And, I never thought about that. Yeah, I need to go back and play through and, and see how, how that holds up. Yeah, totally. I'll definitely have to check it out after this. Um, so seeing how that holds up actually brings us into our good yeah. segue into the next section. So yeah, does this game yeah, I'm actually... I'm up here. Come on. I know, right. It's killing me. <laughs> loving it. Uh, does this game actually hold up in 2020? I mean, we've got the, the remaster, or the remake, sorry, that's just been brought out. So I, I mean, I think in terms of the story, I would say the game holds up, but I, I think we said in the, the first episode as well, like this could be... Uh, like Ocarina of Time could have been picked up as like an indie game. Do you think the same thing would be applicable to Final Fantasy VII? Well, I mean, I think just the fact that we've got a remake uh, being released now, you know, um, 20 years or so after it was uh, first released shows that there's, there's uh, the story, as you said, and the characters hold up for sure. Mm. Um, there's still demand for that there. And as you said, you know, three and a half million units sold in what the first three days show that yeah, for the remake, people want to still crazy. hear this story. So yeah, for sure, the story does... Um, you know, obviously the graphics don't. Uh, hmm. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I think just the fact that you can, as, as I said, you can add little mods or add these little cheats to try and make things a little bit quicker, maybe, um, show that the game itself definitely does, in my opinion, hold up. Um, and I, I, I don't know about the, the indie part because it's still such a big part of that Square Final Fantasy franchise that yeah. um, 
it's still they're still I'm pretty sure you know as I said they're still selling it prior to the remake still selling on PS4 yeah uh, you know as originally so it's not cheap as well nah I can imagine <laughs> man it's, it's a tenner off Steam yeah I think it's like 10 to 15 pound on mobile and on the PlayStation 4 maybe it's like it's up for sale sometimes so it's better yeah. but yeah I would agree I think the story the characters and it just it all still holds up in my opinion even prior to the remake coming out i think it's still got a place in everyone's heart and it's still i love playing it so much so yeah definitely holds up yeah i need to reserve my judgment on the remake until i've, I've played it yeah after playing the demo like i don't know why i've not bought it yet so i'll probably do it after <laughs> this <laughs> straight right. onto the marketplace to buy uh, do you think it's the best in final fantasy series i know this is a big question to ask like it is. it's so many it i mean what we're up to what 15 games on the main uh story then all the different like spin-off games online ones and stuff but well, I yeah think- i mean well it's saying that it's not actually because there's not been 15 in the main series because some of them were like renumbered for the because the first i can't remember that there's something about like number four was or three was renamed as five or something stupid like oh that. I yeah yeah remember, i know what you mean actually you yeah mean, but yeah, the Japanese put, had different put, numbers, but we'll break it down into this way in terms of like the 3D rendered ones uh, that kind of focus on the story. So, be seen seven and the most recent Final Fantasy for the PlayStation 4. Um, do you think that what seven's the best in the series from these ones? I mean, for me, yes, but uh, you know, there's a lot of obviously nostalgia and rose tinted glasses going on. Mm. Uh, that you know, because it's such a kind of breakthrough moment for my uh, gaming history, I guess. Uh, yeah. The seven will always will be my favorite. Um, there is plenty more in the, the the series that are amazing, have different aspects that are really really cool. Yeah. Um, you know things like the twelve was the first one that moved away from these random battles, and you could see the enemies on screen. Yeah, um, which is really cool. Um, you know the the stories and some of the other other ones were great, but nothing will compare, in my opinion, to everything that seven had. So the the combat system, the stories, the characters, and how invested he got. Um, and the, not only that, the, the the main villain Sephiroth will, will is without a doubt the best villain um, in the series. For yeah, me. I totally agree with Sephiroth being the, the best villain. Like, he's so menacing, and he's this large looming character. And the fact that his weapon was about ten foot tall, um, <laughs> it just it screamed menace. And when they brought into the voice acting and stuff, and it has this really, he speaks in this like calming way like he's he's so self-justified of what he's doing is is truly menacing so i think you agree yeah. like that he is number one in terms of the final fantasy villains and do you know it's funny you said out of those the three d from seven onwards because quite often if you go and look at polls online and see uh, you know final fantasy games ranked it's always number six is now is always the top of the list really well wow. more often than that uh so although admittedly i've played it Maybe until about, I've played about two thirds of it. I've not mm. finished six, so I know we need to go back and, and play that again. Because um, I've played all the like the next gen console ones from on the PlayStation Four and PlayStation Three, um, so like Final Fantasy Twelve, Thirteen, um, onwards and stuff. And the, the stories are always really good, but I, I think I agree. Like none of them really hold a candle to what Seven had and how effectively they did it for even being quite limited in technology and capabilities. I think it's the writing in the game was just incredible and it really obviously hooked so many players in and the evidence is clear that it was kind of one of the the most popular in the whole series to date yeah uh we'll have a shout for 14 though Mm. um i have played it a few times and i I quite like mmos 
Uh, and just the fact that they're still pumping out content for 14 is quite cool. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Sometimes these games can go to the wayside and just get left like kind of stagnant. But yeah, it's cool to see that there there's still a community of people playing that and it's still gaining traction. Yeah, man, if you want to play 14 sometime, then uh, give me a shout. Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> no. uh, so this is the last section of the questions that we're going to talk about today. So this is just a bit more lighthearted part of the podcast where we kind of end off on some lighter tones. Uh, who do you think the worst member of the cast is uh, and why? Oh, man, Yuffie. <laughs> I know, sure. right? I think so I'm so tied you. with Yuffie and uh, Kate Sith. I hate Kate Sif so much. He's so garbage. Oh, actually, do you know what I found out uh, just last night that uh, it's pronounced Cat She? What? <laughs> no way. Yeah, man. Because it's actually, the name is it's based off a, a, a it's Gaelic. Oh, it's based really? off a Celtic um, mythology, yeah, of this oh. like uh, kind of wild cat. I can't remember what it actually did, but yeah, it's called Cat She, apparently. Well, I hate go, him man. or her even more now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, do, I know what you mean. I think that bit was a little bit convoluted uh, and he was a bit annoying and he was never really that useful. Um, no, the I limit do, break so was garbage. To, see, yeah, I entirely forgot about that character until last night. It was oh, kind of goes to show. Uh, but that little thief, man. <laughs> Dirty thief. Dirty thief. Never forgive her for that. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. Vincent Valentine. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, the dude's definitely a vampire, and I know he's not, but he he looks like a vampire. He sleeps in a fucking coffin in, in a castle. Thing. Like he's essentially immortal and turns himself into fucking different things and his limit break. I mean, if he walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then he's definitely a vampire. Well, yeah, I watched a video on this, uh, and they called him a vampire hybrid or a manpire. <laughs> manpire is the worst <laughs> name ever <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh it's so stupid but yeah it is a vampire for sure yeah i mean because I, I grew up essentially and it wasn't until i started doing research on this for this podcast that i was really looked into it and I was like, is he a vampire and the answer was no essentially but he was like uh because he's got chaos in him is what the because he was experimented on by hojo so that's where his powers and abilities came from uh but yeah he chooses to dress like a gothic vampire so dude's vampire do you know a big fan of vincent the fact that he was an entirely un entirely missable character he's a secret when you didn't have to get him yeah and he has such a rich backstory as well like the whole being um working for shinra and being essentially like what part of sephiroth's father or something like that (laughs) there was part of the story it was quite strange about that as well so yeah he's this massive character arc that you could completely miss altogether yuffie's one's the Yuffie's one is definitely missable and you don't really care about it, but uh, yeah. yeah, Vincent's one was huge. <laughs> Although I'd say that, I, I think if you look at like the backstory as well, like there was a uh, big war in Wutai as well. So yeah. there's a huge amount of story uh, that that area that certainly plays uh, into that again just kind of speaks to the, the richness of that story. Mm, definitely. And probably the last one, unless you've got any unanswerables to go through as well. Um, now, I always have this thing in games. That, like, I always think about like the aftermath of when the story's over. So when you, you're with your party and you beat Sephiroth at the end and the world's saved and stuff, and you're at the what the Northern Cave and you finish the game there and the story kind of trails off and the planet's been saved, I always like to think what like the journey back to like Midgar or wherever they're going would be like and like what the conversations would be so are they just sitting in silence and sid's playing it's just like not speaking to each other or are they trying to make like pure awkward small talk like oh is that a new sword cloud so what happened to the buster blade <laughs> like 
Oh, Barrett, you taking Marlene anywhere nice in the summer? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> what do you think they're well, like? Well, I always find when it comes to these big epic stories and then you get to the end of it, uh, there's this kind of, you know, the story ends, game over screen, that's you. And then there's a kind of the implication that that's it. That's the end of the, the story. Everything is going back to normal. It's all uh, uh, fairies and rainbows. But actually, if you look at um, the world, there's still like two massive big weapons yeah. Uh, that are potentially uh, going to kill everyone. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, there might be a little bit of celebration thinking, yeah, that's all done, it's all done. And then you realise that uh, uh, the world still potentially, or there's a lot of people can still die because of these big monsters that are uh, hidden in the sand or underwater. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's just crazy. Like, I don't think a lot of games think about, like, the aftermath. But obviously, yeah, they've yeah. got like if they've got sequels and stuff, then it kind of rounds off the games there. But they had the Advent Children, which didn't really explain much either. It just kind of gave in a continuation to the story, and things were still in shit. But Cloud's like a delivery guy now. Um, for <laughs> Tifa's still working the bar. Um, just it was funny. But yeah, I, I like, to, I like think... to think she's become like this uh, star bartender. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's got her total... own Instagram account, and she's traveling the world doing little cameo shifts. She's the new Green King. Mate, she's, nice. she's, yeah, she's famous now, man. Yeah, definitely. Right, so this brings us to the end of the podcast, man. You got any other questions that you think of? I No, I mean, I, I listened to your other podcast and I heard about the, the end of the game, so that was the one that I was kind of waiting for. But yeah, I, that's, that's it for me, man. Nice one. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. This has been a really Cheers, informative uh, episode about Final Fantasy VII. Really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Jamie, you want to tell us a bit about your business and you want to plug yourself? You can feel free to. Yeah, cheers, man. So I, um, although I've played Final Fantasy VII for, for a long, long time, I'm not a huge gamer. I don't stream or anything. Uh, you'll find me just kind of playing games, uh, MMOs on the side. But uh, I run Summerhall Drinks Lab in Edinburgh. I um, do lots of different fun things with, with booze, gin tastings and whiskey and rum and so all that kind of thing. You can find us at SH Drinks Lab. You can find me at Bearded Imbiber. Uh, which oh, you'll find me mostly pitching, posting pictures of uh, booze and or vans. <laughs> uh, currently in the process of building my own camper van of a, a Volkswagen Crafter, which is a lot of fun. It's taken up a lot of time. Yeah, looks uh, amazing. But yeah, you can, you can find us on, on Instagram and, and uh, check us out. Nice one. Well, thank you very much, Jamie, for coming on. And thank you Thanks, to man. you, the listener, for checking us out. Please like us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And yeah, we'll stick around for another episode of Replay Gaming Podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, Jamie. Cheers, buddy.